unofficial UPAN podcast. My name is Paula Bautista and I'm your host. So I know it's been, what, like seven months, eight months since the last episode came out. And apologies for anyone who's looking forward to a new episode. Uh, life kind of got in the way, um, but we're back, uh, ready for 2019. Uh, a little bit late in 2019, but um, we're, we're going to do our best this year. So uh, the plan moving forward for the podcast is instead of bi-weekly episodes, uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick to a monthly release schedule about once a month or so. Um, the aim is to get 12 episodes out a year. Um, I'm going to you know, continue to do the format of full, uh, un- lightly edited uh conversations with various alumni telling their stories and may or may not be a few bonus episodes here and there um that being said uh this week uh this month rather i get used to that uh we have a special guest um so uh lucy lu class of 2010 uh recently launched a podcast called rock the boat along with her collaborator uh lin guay um, Rocket Boat Podcast is a podcast about Asian Americans charting unconventional career paths inspired by their own unique uh, stories uh, and career trajectories. Uh, I recently met up with Lucy and Lynn uh, shortly after the launch of their podcast, um, and we talked a little bit about um, you know their their history, their story, why what made them come together to want to do a podcast, and what we are looking forward to. Um, so that'll be the first half of half of this episode, and the second half uh, will be the actual first episode where they interview their parents. Um, you know, if you check out uh, what they have right now, uh, I believe. At, as of the release of this episode, they recently released an episode featuring uh, alum Justin Ching. Um, so be sure to subscribe to their podcast and check it out. Um, I'll make sure to leave all of their you know contact information if you want to get in touch with them in the show notes. But otherwise, uh, welcome back to the UPAN podcast. And uh, here is my conversation with uh, Lucien Lin. Uh, thanks, everyone. I'm here at the coffee shop in New York with Lucy and Lynn from the Rock the Boat podcast, uh, our first, uh, I guess, co-host, co-guests on the podcast. So uh, thanks very much for coming out. Thank you so much, Paolo, for meeting us here. Um, this is kind of funny being on the yeah. other side of the interview because normally we're the ones interviewing guests. Yeah. Um, but we're really excited to be here, um, excited to share through the background noise yeah. <laughs> yeah. all the exciting things we're doing with podcasts. Um, our podcast is called Rock the Boat. It's stories about Asian Americans with unconventional career paths. So very similar to what Paula's been sharing for Penn alum. Uh, we're trying to do that for the broader Asian American community uh, across the US. All right, and yeah, definitely apologies for the background noise. Um, it's definitely been a while. If anyone who's been paying attention has noticed since I put an episode out, so a bit rusty here. So hopefully these podcasting ladies can, can give me some tips. Um, so first, you know, you know, one thing I like to talk about is you guys have a podcast, but you know, in my mind, a podcast is kind of an extension of yourself. Um, so why don't we talk about you know you guys, you know, where you came from, uh, where you went to school, um, what uh, what careers you did, and maybe ultimately how that led you guys to finding each other, and then you know starting the the Bog the Boat podcast. Well, I think Lynn should start this one. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, well, as a non-Pen alum, uh, thank you for having me, letting me join. Um, it's been really quite a ride doing the podcast with Lucia. We met five years ago 
at a mutual friend's gathering. And we were both in very different phases of our life at the time. Um, I was writing for Business Insider. Lucia was in her corporate job at American Express. And we just connected. I mean, we were friends. Um, but over the course of our careers, as uh, we each sort of like jumped into different industries, um, I went to go work for the government. Lucia started her chocolate company. Um, we would often, when we did see each other, we would talk about sort of the crazy nature of how our careers um, evolved. And that really sparked the curiosity for um, how people land into what they do. And, uh, you know, it, basically the idea for Rock the Boat as a podcast was born. But to actually answer your question about me as an individual and person prior to Rock the Boat, um, I was born and raised in Florida, went to school at University of Florida, um, grew up in a you know, pretty typical immigrant Taiwanese family. Um, so I'm a second generation immigrant and my parents immigrated here from Taiwan uh, 30 years ago. Um, they really valued education and um, I did probably the thing that uh, most parents deeply fear which is I didn't go to an Ivy League school and uh, I studied journalism, uh, which is uh, not a very lucrative profession. So uh, I, you know, sort of have that part of that, that in my narrative. Um, but I moved to New York shortly after graduated from University of Florida's journalism program, dabbled in journalism briefly, but as I mentioned, sort of, sort of jumped around different careers, um, which is what has sort of fueled um, our passion for career discovery. I am currently freelancing, um, but I'm sort of doing comms and marketing consulting for you know various tech companies. Yeah. Uh, so I am the Pen alum. This is Lucia here. <laughs> um, uh, I was uh, similar to Lynn. Um, I'm Chinese American. I'm kind of generation 1.5, if you will. Uh, I came to the States when I was three, um, but I'm a little unique in that uh, I grew up in the States kind of all over. I lived in seven different states, uh, from Texas to California, to Jersey, to Ohio. Uh, and then once I uh, finished middle school, my dad got laid off from his uh, technology job uh, out in Silicon Valley. And we as a family moved back to Shanghai. So I spent my high school years in Shanghai at a, at a uh, international school. Um, so I also went to local school for a year and I actually didn't think I was gonna get into any colleges. I probably applied to maybe like 20 different colleges at the time because I didn't know where I would land. Like I, I applied to Penn because um, that year a Penn representative came to my school and said, hey, Penn's an option for you, just so you guys know. And she gave a presentation on uh, Penn and its ideals, and I, I felt like, hey, this is very similar to what I'm interested in. Um, it was, uh, the, the presenter said that Penn is very open to a lot of different ideologies. Um, you can create your own major. There's business school. So it just felt like there were a lot of different opportunities. So I applied to Penn. I also applied to all the UC schools and I also applied to like Pepperdine and like a co couple of other schools, you know, because I didn't have a ninth grade transcript. I like didn't even know if I was going to get in anywhere. Um, but luckily, I got into Penn. Uh, I was the first, uh, first person from my um, high school to get into Penn. 
and then subsequently a couple of others joined me so there were a couple more um, kids from my school in the later years that uh, came from Shanghai um, so to me it felt like it was a big milestone I didn't really know what to expect um, I hadn't been back to the States in four years so it was a pretty big culture shock coming back and seeing you know I think the first thing I thought was like oh wow like I'm with a bunch of foreigners and then I'm like wait I'm the foreigner <laughs> it was a little hard to kind of mix back into being taking on that Asian American identity because um, you know growing up as an Asian American and then moving back to China where I felt like I was very different from everybody else and then coming back to the States and kind of reintegrating myself into the culture um, but while I was at Penn, uh, I studied communications at Annenberg uh, and I did consumer psychology. So I have a marketing and psychology minor um, and I, I loved the marketing and psychology aspect. I loved learning more about people. Um, I was heavily involved in a lot of different organizations. So uh, I think I was part of APSC. I was in the steering committee because I was, uh, I, I became the vice chairwoman of the undergraduate assembly uh, my senior year, I believe. Um, and so I don't know if like the safety videos have changed, but I'm in the safety video. I later found this out when one of my uh, juniors from my high school, she she made it to Penn four years after I did. And then she pinged me on Facebook and she's like, you're in the safety video. Is that you? And I'm like, oh my God, it's so crazy. Um, but I, I did a whole host of uh, activities while I was at Penn. I think I focused a lot more in my extracurriculars than I did at school. Um, and I think looking back, it just made me feel like um, I did a lot with the community and I, um, it, it felt like, uh, I think looking back, it's like I'm much more of a doer than I am, you know, someone who's focused on um, focused on like studies or uh, focused on getting the good grades. Um, but kind of like Paolo mentioned, uh, I, you do get rolled up into this like consulting finance mindset. And so I started interviewing for more corporate jobs. Uh, and I ended up at American Express for my internship my junior year and took a full-time offer at Amex uh, where I worked for four years. And then I think slowly it started creeping up on me where I was like, I'd rather be doing things. <laughs> I'd rather be, you know, uh, testing out some new things, taking uh, my own path. And I think I just was thirsty to learn more. I think at the time there were so many new things and platforms that were popping up like Squarespace, uh, Shopify. By, uh, Mailchimp so it just became very easy to start a business uh, and so I thought okay you know what maybe I'll start my own chocolate business so uh, I left Amex started my own chocolate business got picked up by Smorgasburg and started selling chocolates at Smorgasburg um, and I did that for about two years I started getting big orders like when the Park Hyatt in New York opened they wanted my chocolates for their opening um, and I was selling at the, the spa um, at the Park Hyatt uh, I was I was selling at the Mercedes-Benz lounge um, and it got to a point where I was like okay I have to take outside funding or else I can't expand and I figured that at the point in my life, I still wanted to learn more things and I couldn't just dive right into just always making chocolate. So I scaled it back, started consulting, and it was at that point when I reached out to Lynn and I said, hey, Lynn, 
you know, I know the ramen burger guy. <laughs> like I know all these like food producers. I know all these people who are like super amazing and who have all these alternate career paths. And you know, it's so crazy because when I was looking for um, materials and I was looking for support and I was looking for um, resources in helping me decide what to move what to do in my next career step I couldn't find anything nothing that was tailored or particular for Asian Americans and so we figured that was a really great opportunity and with Lynn's journalism background and like you know my desire to be an entrepreneur and like you know do different things we figured hey let's launch a podcast and it was lucky because the timing was right because the serial podcast just came out and that kind of just made podcasting huge um, and I was also listening to Gimlet Media's startup podcast and I thought, you know what, there should be more Asian American voices in the startup world. I mean, we, as Asians, we make up 10% of all small businesses. Um, so that's really how the idea came about, and uh, here I am now. Yeah, well, thank you guys for your stories. So, Lynn, yeah, I'm also from Florida, so I totally get, you know, the growing up in Florida thing. And then Lusa, yeah, I also totally agree with the, I was not a good student, I was definitely more in my extracurricular type of person, so. Um, but yeah, uh, and again, your podcast, you know, I listened to the first episode, we'll play it, you know, after this interview. Um, so why don't you tell us, you know, it sounds like the podcast has kind of been in the works for a while. Um, you guys have like a lot of interviews signed up from what we were talking before the interview. Kind of, you know, you said it was kind of like, I guess, almost giving advice for people where there's no guidebook for these unconventional career paths. And specifically for Asian Americans as well, I guess, you know, what is your take on like, I guess, Asian Americans in the podcasting space or, you know, pursuing like alternate career paths? Like, what are your thoughts about how that's kind of portrayed in society or just the reality of it, I guess, in, in talking to the people you have so far? So it was, it's so funny that you asked this question. I think Lynn and I actually met with uh, somebody who's been in finance for quite a few years. Um, he's, he's an older generation. He's probably like in his 40s and 50s. And, um, you know, he's talking a lot about, I guess like the way that he said, he portrayed it is when you're an immigrant, all you can think about is focusing on, on surviving, right? Like you have to at yeah. least have the, the basics of like, you know, shelter and food and surviving in this new country because you don't speak the language, you don't really fit in, you don't look like everybody else. Um, and so there's so much of that mentality that our parents have that have kind of also seeped through into the next generation's lives, right? The next generation thinks, okay, my parents sacrificed so much, they did all this work, we have to also give back to our parents. There's this like idea of filial piety, this idea that, you know, we kind of owe our parents a lot. And we, we again, like we go through that in the first episode. Uh, and the, the thinking is that at what point do you reach, you know, the second tier of Maslow's hierarchy? Yeah. And we talk about Maslow's hierarchy where it's like, you know, the first layer is like, you just gotta survive. And then the sec la second layer is like, okay, how can you, um, you know, think about the things that you like to do? And then the third layer, the pinnacle is like self-actualization. Like, where is that passion market fit? Like, where is it that you can make the most impact? Where is it can you give back to the community and actually feel like you're making a difference? Uh, and I think that we're, as Asian Americans, we're kind of at that teetering point. I feel like a lot of us 
um, at least the ones that are like second and third generation or fourth generation who've been here for a while, we're at the point where I think the, the need for survival is no longer there. And we can now focus on how do we give back to this community? How can we create an ecosystem? How can we encourage other people to do something that's not just necessarily monetarily rewarding, which is like a consulting or finance type of role, but something that's like societally rewarding, like maybe going into the arts or entertainment or like telling stories or, um, or working for nonprofits or uh, creating something like being an entrepreneur and creating jobs. So I think that's really my take on it. Lynn, do you have any? I mean, I think you really covered most of it. The only other thing I'd like to add is just something that we say often is that you can't be what you can't see, or I guess in podcasting case, you can't be what you can't hear. <laughs> um, but a big part of this is just simply shining a light on the stories that aren't often told. So there are actually plenty of Asian Americans who have charted unconventional career paths. It's just that their narrative isn't often told. Um, so uh, we figured that by starting this platform, um, someone in the Midwest um, can hear about, you know, uh, maybe someone who started in the finance consulting realm, but then became an artist and started their own business, and that that, that is possible, and that you can find success or thrive in your own way. So it's simply, it's, it's, it's creating the ecosystem of resources um, so people can find advice, but it's also just about letting people know that like, hey, you're not alone um, on this path and in the process, you know, creating a, a community around it. That's, that's super like inspiring and actually, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, that message and I kind of try to do the same thing, you know, kind of like, so people on this podcast, like, yeah, you don't have to like be financial consultant. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just like, you know, there are alternate paths out there and someone has been through that struggle before you have. Um, so, like I said, this seems like you've been working on this for a while. Can you tell us me, you know, like, how did you guys figure out, you know, all the how-tos of podcasting? I know, I'm sure you guys, you know, have like a super complex setup, more than my dinky little phone here or whatever. Uh, but, you know, what, what are the stories? Like, in the first episode, you know, not to spoil it too much, but you, you guys do interview your parents. How is getting them an interview, how is getting them comfortable, like, being on microphone, like, and getting them okay with be, being that, for example? Um, I feel like this is like a three-part question. Um, yeah. I ask complex questions. <laughs> How long do you have? <laughs> we can talk forever. Um, I think to your first point of this has been in the works for a while, I always make this joke that it's like giving birth to a baby elephant. It pretty much took us two years to really get everything together and ready. And um, thanks to all our friends and the people who've supported us, who've just been pushing and prodding us, and they're like, is this launching? Is this happening? You guys said you're launching. We're excited to hear this. So that's been really helpful. I mean, we started out just thinking of an idea and saying, okay, are people interested in telling stories? So we hosted um, first a focus group, and we had a small group of people in a room, and we just talked about the idea, and people loved it. So we're like, okay, we're on to something. We started interviewing people. I think we ended up getting like 25 or so interviews in our repository. Um, and this was kind of the same setup. We recorded everything on our iPhones, um, and like it was, you know, at a random coffee shop. Um, so very similar to your setup. 
and then from there we launched a storytelling event. Um, and we initially wanted to actually launch a lot sooner than this, but because of our you know different careers, like at the time, like six months ago, I was working for a Series A startup as a VP of partnerships. Um, and Lynn was doing communications at another startup. So we were both kind of doing our own career transitions. Um, and so this was as a side project, kind of taken up and then let go and then taken up and let go. Um, but long story short, we were kind of like, you know what, this just has to get done. The timing's really right. Crazy Rich Asians came out. We felt like there's a wave happening. And so we just put our foot down. And I was like, I'm launching on my birthday. We're just doing this. We're going to get it all out. Um, and the way that we learned how to do it was like through YouTube videos, uh, kind of like how I learned how to make chocolates. It was like through YouTube videos, through emails, talking to people. Um, we don't have a super crazy setup. Like I have a Blue Yeti mic and I edited the first episode on GarageBand. That was really it. Like I learned how to edit just like based off of what I've been hearing on other podcasts and then interweaving music. Um, and like, I think that's, that was really it. And then we, we told a whole bunch of people, we're like, this is happening. <laughs> and then, and so now that we told a bunch of people, we're like, shit, we got to do it. Sorry for the French. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it, okay, and then I was about the appearance and the whole interviewing of the appearance. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to say big props to Lucia, who did, like, as she said, interview or edit the entire episode one on GarageBand. Um, so neither of us are actual audio editors, um, uh, nor really like radio producers or anything. So this has been a whole learning experience. But yeah, to your point about interviewing our parents, that was definitely a challenge. Um, uh, I think, I mean, for me, I interviewed my father and. I just framed it as a conversation, and he's generally a pretty open person, so it wasn't hard for him to share his story. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, she's not featured in the episode, mainly because she just got audio shy, bashful, and um, didn't really want to share her story, which maybe at some point I'll be able to coerce her <laughs> into, into being on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, I think... Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the format of the podcast was something that Lucia and I went back and forth about. Um, I actually initially was of the mindset that just doing a pure interview would be the easiest and most straightforward. And that's, I your, that's your journalism side coming out, right? Right, right. And I, I, I do listen to a lot of interview podcasts, um, but I think Lucia, Lucia was pretty... Uh, uh, firm in her conviction that a narrative podcast is what is needed and that there really wasn't a narrative podcast out there, um, especially about Asian American stories. So yes, the production value would be much higher as we've seen. And I think that's why it's taken us longer to launch because we have to write the script now. Um, we have to, we don't just drop a whole like 60 minutes of, you know, interview dialogue. Um, we cut it up. We only probably only include like half or less of the interview and then write the other narrative pieces to um, you know weave it throughout um, and then we have music and you know all those things that come with the uh, with the narrative podcast that we had to sort of learn um, but I think overall even though it does take more time and energy it's been something that um, we 
I think we've learned a lot from and I, I find value from that and hopefully the audience does too. Hey, sounds good. And I guess speaking of, you know, the, the podcast coming up, you know, you loved like the first two episodes um, and you I think we sang about nine or ten episodes in the first season so you know who can we expect maybe any pendulum that we can expect coming up in, in, in this season of episodes <laughs> so quick plug for all the pendulum that are gonna be in uh, episodes I mean I think the question that we get a lot is like how do you find your guests um, and I would say that a lot of our guests for season one are through friends of friends and our own networks um, and I think that uh, just between me and Lynn living in New York for this amount of time and then also through our school networks, we were able to find some really incredible people. Uh, so, you know, just to name a few, Jason Wiley of Jubilee Media, he was Pen 08. Uh, he and I served on the undergraduate assembly together and that's how I know him. Um, but he worked at Bain and then later left to start his own media company producing YouTube videos. And it's an incredible story that I'm really excited to share. Um, we also interview Justin Ching, who is uh, a 30, Forbes 30 Under 30 uh, producer. And he started J School, which is a production studio for minorities to tell their own stories in their own voices, which we really believe in that effort and cause. And it's kind of exactly what we're doing. Um, so he shares his story. Uh, which is really exciting, and maybe more to come. You'll have to listen. <laughs> All right, sounds good. We definitely will make sure we'll, we'll make sure everyone gets that's plugged in. I guess you know, kind of one last question to wrap it up uh, before I ask you guys to plug yourselves. Um, what what advice you know you've you've interviewed a lot of people, and you know how is your thoughts about you know these unconventional career paths, or you know advice you would have for your listeners that you know if they had to you know we definitely want them to listen, but if they had to like take something away, what do you want them to take away from the podcast? So this is a tough one because I feel like as a journalist, I often really Really try to be objective and just let people sort of take what they want out of it um, and I try not to say that they need to that they can take from it what they want um, each of these stories I think personally for me um, the biggest advice um, or thing that I have uh, needed to learn um, over the course of my own unconventional career path is just owning it uh, and by owning it, I mean not being shy or ashamed of the fact that I have gone through all these different careers and industries and uh, actually uh, taking, actually, actually being proud of it and uh, sharing that story with others uh, and uh, yeah, fully embracing it because I think there are so many opportunities that can come from um, from doing that. So I think that would be my biggest piece of advice: is just to not be ashamed of your own story because there's value. Everyone has value in their story. You just have to learn how to be able to tell it with conviction. It's a really good one. I think that that would be I think that would be like a big one for me as well. Um, I think the second one for me, quick plug to Warren Asia Exchange. <laughs> um, so I recently got a mentee from Warren Asia Exchange. I used to be a part of uh, WAX. And I think this is the story that I feel like would resonate with a lot of people who are still at Penn. Um, she asked me, she was like, I'm stuck between these two internship choices. 
one internship choice is in DC and it's more of like an activist organization and it's to help Asian Americans. And the other internship, that a choice that I have is with Geico. Um, and she's like, I don't know which one to choose. And I think the biggest piece of advice uh, that I have for people who are looking to do a number of different things or you know just kind of in that position of like choosing what they want to do in their careers especially as like a fresh like a not a freshman sorry but like as a senior like fresh out of college don't worry about your first job you really don't need to worry that much about what you do in your first job. Like if I look back and I thought about my first job and I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm so far from that now. Um, and I think you, if you ask anybody that's like, you know, 10, 20 years out of college, they'll say, don't worry about your first job because your career is gonna pivot so many times. I think there's statistics on it. I think on average, a person pivots seven times in their entire lifetimes in a career path. So don't worry too much about, am I gonna get that banking job? And I'm gonna get that you know, internship at Google. I think those are all great. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think don't put so much pressure on yourself if you don't get it. Like I, for one, really wanted a consulting job. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I probably wouldn't have fit in. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have liked it. Um, and so don't worry too much and stress out too much about what your next job is gonna be or what you start out doing. I think open your eyes to curiosity. Really think about what you're curious about and like approach it from a learning perspective because when you're fresh out of college, you're kind of like a skillless worker, right? Like you don't have anything right now. So just like go out there, build some skills, do your extracurricular activities, build your network. Um, learn what you like to do and like I think the biggest takeaway is like really get to know yourself um, and and separate that from your family's expectations and the expectations of others and your peers and really look within and say what is it that really makes me shine um, and I think we don't tell people who are in pre-professional career paths or we don't tell the younger generation that enough Definitely great advice. Uh, wish I had heard that advice when I was younger, but you know, at least better late than never. Uh, so I guess you know the obligatory last question for a podcast: Where can people find you? You know, uh, obviously your podcast, you know, social media, website links, and all that. But also, you guys personally, if anyone wants to reach out to you guys, um, either by email or, or otherwise, um, then I'll start with you. Sure. If you want to reach out to a non-pet <laughs> alum. <laughs> um, uh, in addition to finding Rock the Boat on all the usual social channels, we're at Rock the Boat NYC for Twitter and Instagram, also on Facebook, and then our website is GoRockTheBoat.com. Um, personally, I am a pretty regular Twitter user, so you can find me at Hegway, H-E-Y-G-U-E-Y, uh, and Instagram is just my name. Uh, full name L-Y-N-N-E-G-U-E-Y and then my email address is also the same my first and last name at gmail.com Alright, so it's a little harder to reach me on my own personal channels just because I use my Chinese name for my, for my Gmail account uh, so the best way to reach me is probably at the hello at gorockthebote.com email address um, it goes to both me and Lynn, so don't ask anything super personal, JK. Um, but 
you can definitely reach out with any kind of questions if you need any sort of career advice or you know Lynn and I are very open to opening up our networks so for example if you want to be a video producer or you want to go into production we're happy to connect you with the people that we know if you want to go into journalism if you want to go into even dance we'll help you try to find whoever you need to find um, but definitely don't hesitate to reach out uh, one last question, which I totally forgot. I'm a bad podcast producer, but uh, who, uh, who, anyone you want to shout out? You know, um, anyone who helped you get to this point, lots of the podcast, or, or any, any, anyone at all. The floor is yours. Oh my god! It's like everybody. I want to thank I my parents. I, I want to like her at the Oscars. I want to thank the Academy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I think. I mean, I was just going to say, I think uh, the first people that come to mind are obviously like our parents um, uh, and our audio editor, Molly Schulzen, um, who has been a huge help in just upping the production value of our episodes. Um, and I think uh, this isn't a specific person, uh, it's more like just a group of people. Um, they all know who they are. Um, as both Lucia and I navigated our career transitions, which was the bulk of the time when we were producing season one. Um, so many friends um, and mentors and acquaintances would just give little words of encouragement here and there. And they, they may seem small, but uh, they help greatly. I think for anyone who's ever working on a side or side project or passion project, those little things make a big difference. So to all those people, Thank you. I echo Lynn. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. Uh, we'll go ahead and at, right after this, we'll pop up on the first the first episode of the Go Rock the Boat podcast. Uh, like I said, I'll put all the contact information in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much, guys, and thanks for coming out. Thanks, Thank Paolo. you. Right. Awesome. Go Penn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, silence on the set. Three, two, one. Hi, everyone. This is Rock the Boat, a podcast about Asian Americans charting unconventional career paths. Whether you're an entrepreneur, creative, or someone who's looking to break through a few ceilings, this podcast was made for you. We're your hosts, Lucia Liu and Lynn Guay. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on this journey. And boy, has it been a journey. I'm Lynn, and for this first episode, we want to take you back to the beginning, to how this all started, and share why we think it's so important that Asian Americans have platforms like these. We'll give you a sneak peek of some of our season one guests, and you'll get to hear from some very special people, our parents. Yep, we hope you're ready. Thanks, Lynn. Hey, listeners, it's me, Lucia. To help you understand how this project of ours began... It's important to talk about how we were brought up. Lynn and I are both first and second generation immigrants. Lynn's Taiwanese, I'm Chinese, and we both came from very academic families. This meant that education and holding a professional career was the top priority for us. Not pursuing a prestigious career in a reputable company or getting into a top profession like medicine, consulting, law, or finance was a cardinal sin. However, as we entered into the brink of our 30s and we looked back on our zigzag careers, 
Between me and Lynn, we've worked at nine different industries, had seven different roles, and worked at six different companies, ranging from Fortune 500s to startups to the government. We realized that we felt stuck in our day jobs. We couldn't find resources or a network to rely on for answers about our careers. When I started listening to startup podcasts, I couldn't find any Asian American voices. And when I looked around my network, I had a hard time finding Asian Americans who are creatives, entrepreneurs, or in upper management for high-powered jobs. Even in the media, too often we see Asian Americans portrayed as the model minority. We're seen as quiet, studious, and utterly uncreative. And we all know that's not true. So Lynn and I got together to create Rock the Boat. The idea was to create a platform where Asian Americans can share their unconventional career stories. We can open up a dialogue around the things we don't usually talk about, like mental health and civic engagement. Or simply, we can shed light on the plethora of professions available to us for those who are curious. We figured with Lynn's background in journalism and my entrepreneurial enthusiasm, this was going to be easy, right? Armed with passion and determination, we decided to interview our first guests, our parents. They didn't exactly have unconventional careers, but we thought that by interviewing them, we could at least get their perspective on our project. I started with my dad. Hi, I'm Qin Gui. I'm Lin's dad. He's an engineer, and like many immigrant parents, he and my mom always preferred that I go a more academic career route. Fields like law, engineering, medicine, they could be quantified. And my parents, who grew up in a laser-focused education system in Taiwan, were taught to associate rigor, discipline, and prestige with these fields. Perhaps most importantly, these fields could provide a steady paycheck, unlike that of the soft humanities. So my dad's advice to me isn't much of a surprise. I feel like, hey, you gotta earn your own keep. I feel in my life I try to do that, and that's one thing. In the other area, it's just、uh, you know. Be a little bit more practical, down to the earth. My dad isn't much for the idealism of our age, living for one's passion and finding one's purpose. After all, he received his PhD in risk analysis from MIT, so he weighs the risks in every scenario. You can draw a decision tree, and you don't need to quantify these each individual decision. I would say all accidents are preventable. It's being on the you know from the engineer standpoint, right? Something you can control. For my dad, making decisions was more like a risk management exercise than it was listening to your gut. So me choosing to study journalism in college was like entering the red zone. At the same time, for all his practicality, I think my dad does understand the importance of following your curiosity. If you look at our garage, it is stacked with shelves and shelves of books. He's a true bibliophile. Or more precisely, logophile, lover of words. When my middle sister Wendy won the national spelling bee over 12 years ago, the first and still only East Asian to do so, my dad's passion for words truly came alive. All you have to do is just learn one is one more word. You know, you can survive one more word than any other people, and you are the champion. He became her quasi spelling bee coach. Quizzing her on words, but he treated it not as a rote memory exercise, but as a puzzle to be solved. With each word, there was a story to be told. There was a root stemming from an origin language, a part of speech, definition, context for how it should be used in a sentence. All of these were clues to be collected and then interpreted. And should you interpret them correctly, 
You'd spell the word and advance to the next round. You know, how do you do that? It takes、uh, some extraordinary effort, right? People who spend、uh, one hour and get this far, and you probably have to spend two hours. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's no way around it. I mean, there's no royal road to, hey, I can master this thing. Oh, I can just get into this by osmosis. There's no no such thing. I guess you have to struggle. To do that, get out of comfort zone, and be able to, you know, struggle and、uh, figure out yourself. Last year, I left my stable job of over four years at the City Economic Development Corporation, with just a small bit of savings and no job lined up. As you can imagine, my parents were slightly bewildered. They never had the luxury to take time off, so the thought of not working was unfathomable. But looking back to when I made my decision. I couldn't deny this gnawing feeling that I was misaligned between the life I was living and the life I wanted. In some ways, I didn't even know what that meant. All I knew is that something needed to change. So I freed myself from the constraints, so I could then get clear on what I wanted. It was six months of exploring a random mishmash of things: getting a yoga teacher certification, traveling to the Middle East, writing more often. I even dove into the wacky world of blockchain. Stripped of my usual identity markers, I had no other compass to follow but my curiosity. And this may sound strange, but I think I was following my dad's advice all along: getting out of my comfort zone and struggling. Because sometimes staying where you are in a job that you don't enjoy is easier than getting out of it and wrestling with life's important questions—questions questions about who you are and what you're uniquely made to do. That, to me, is what getting out of your comfort zone really means. I'm still figuring it out. I think we all are. And that's why this project, Rock the Boat, means so much to me. I now see this journey to self-discovery and greater fulfillment in our work as a gift—a gift from our parents who didn't have as many choices and struggled so that we could then have them. And it's a gift I don't take lightly. Meanwhile, Lucia was across the globe interviewing her parents. When I flew back to Shanghai, I took the opportunity to tell my parents about Rock the Boat. I recorded their responses. Hi, hello. I'm Jennifer. I'm Lucia's mother. Dad, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, hello.、Uh, this is Jian,、uh, Lucia's father. To give you some background on my upbringing, I feel like one of those lucky few Asians. My parents never pushed me hard to become a doctor or a lawyer. Even though I did well in school, they never pressured me in academics, and always respected my decisions. I also want to note here that I'm an only child, and I'm very close with my parents. Even though they never stopped me from doing anything I wanted growing up, I still wanted their approval. I bring you to the America. I just want you to have a better life and better education. My parents, like many other immigrant parents, came to America penniless. My father borrowed two thousand dollars from my uncle to come to the states for his PhD in electrical engineering. My mom gave up her career and her master's degree to take care of me. She always told me her biggest regret in life was not having a career of her own. She encouraged me to find a stable job, but that morning, when she gave me her support and her blessing, it brought me to tears. Do do what you like to do. You don't you don't need to、uh, do like us. We, at that time, we need to struggle for the better life. Right now, you stand on the our shoulder. 
where are your support? At that time, we don't have support. Right now, you have a very strong support. So I just want you happy. You don't need to do something you don't like, just for the living. Just as Lin said earlier, to me, the easiest path was to go on in life, slugging away at a job with no meaning, hoping or wishing things would get better. I think my dad understood this. Because eight years ago, he started a technology company building sensors and lasers for companies like Philips. It wasn't really a successful venture. There were many ups and downs. There were layoffs. There's restructuring. My dad even stepped down as CEO. But what I admired most about him was that he never gave up. Still, today, he's fighting the good fight, raising a Series A for the company. When I asked my dad how he felt about the project... And what his expectations were for me, he said, "You are our our life extension, right?、Mm-hmm. And、uh, we do hope you can do better than us, a lot better than us.、Mm-hmm. Okay, in every aspect.、Mm-hmm. All right.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is our, this is my expect. And you are more happy. You get more better life. You get more better career. You get more whatever." More kids. <laughs> There's a popular quote attributed to Sir Isaac Newton. He writes, "If I've seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. For us, we stand on our family shoulders, and because of the sacrifices they've made, we are able to climb higher on Maslow's ladder to reach self-actualization. If you haven't heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs," Maslow is an American psychologist who developed a pyramid of needs that started with the most basic ones of food and shelter. The following tiers encompass higher needs like belonging and self-esteem. His theory is that the most basic needs must be satisfied before anyone can pursue the higher echelons of the pyramid. At the pinnacle of the pyramid is self-actualization. Our parents provided us with food, shelter, education, and our basic necessities. They saw opportunity in the United States, and they worked hard to obtain it. Now that they've set the stage for us, it's our responsibility to climb higher. After we interviewed our parents and gotten their take on our choice to pursue Rock the Boat, we started to assemble our season one guests. We even hosted a storytelling event at LMHQ to validate our idea. Inspired by the conversation with our parents, we named the theme for the event "Standing on the Shoulders of Giants." Our speakers shared stories about their upbringing, their struggles, and their personal journeys. To all of our speakers, thank you for coming. Thank you for getting dressed up.、Um, but none of this is being videotaped. <laughs> our speakers included Monica No, who left a successful career as a fashion designer to pursue a life as a creative freelance consultant and writer. Here's a clip from her story, in which she shares how the legacy of her father inspires her every day to pursue her dreams. Only now, three years after he passed away, do I feel I'm beginning to grasp how much this man really meant to me, his outsized influence on my life's journey. Only after I began to peel back what I thought was my personal will, my ambitions, and my perspective on life, was I able to see how illusory that separation is. 
And while in my earlier years I had felt burdened by trying to prove his sacrifice worthwhile, that feeling has transformed into a deep respect and genuine appreciation for him as an artist, a father, a human being. From this vantage point, I see the task of standing on his shoulders as a great privilege, the opportunity to take the baton, embrace our dual or plural natures, and take ownership of expanding our ancestral narrative. These days, I carry him with me. I find myself talking to him throughout the day. I think of him when I sit down to write, and sometimes he makes an appearance in my dreams. In one of my favorites, I see him, young, healthy, full of life. He raises his glass in a toast, winks at me and says, live it up, kid. Thank you. Another speaker was Ronnie Mazumdar, a former IT consultant turned actor, turned restaurateur. He opened the Masala Walla, an Indian restaurant on the Lower East Side as a retirement gift for his father. Ronnie's story began when he moved to the United States when he was just 10 years old. The biggest shift in my life happened when I first moved here with this idea that going to America is the roads are paved in gold and it was anything but because I moved to the Bronx. Not many people know this. It was actually my father and I used to have a little fruit cart in uh, downtown Manhattan. So my idea of hospitality started there. At the age of 13, waking up at 3 in the morning, pushing a fruit cart next to my father, that's where I started. Every day, every customer, every fruit, every little bit mattered. Other speakers included Mike Lee, the former executive director of Apex for Youth, an organization with the mission of finding mentors for underserved Asian and immigrant youth in New York City. Joy Chen, the petite yet incredibly strong city planner by day and yoga instructor by night, who founded Cosmic Fit Club. Deepti Sharma, the founder of the online catering service Food to Eat and whose grandfather was a freedom fighter. And Caroline Shin, the host and founder of a web cooking series called Cooking with Granny. Can I give another round of applause to all of the speakers? After the event, The people who attended told us they were both inspired and surprised to find such a diverse and amazing group of Asian Americans charting their own paths. This proved to us that we were onto something. In the next few months, we continued to meet with Asian Americans who had extraordinary stories. People like Charlotte Cho, the co-founder of SoCo Glam, an online Korean beauty marketplace with a community of over 250,000. Charlotte and her husband started Soko Glam as just a little side project. Yeah, we were definitely passionate about this, starting this um, little side project on the weekends, and we didn't think it was going to really go anywhere other than just being a side project. Or Chris Chung, one of the co-founders of Boxed.com, a wholesale e-commerce company competing with giants like Costco. He broke more than a few rules on his path to building a $500 million company. I valued what I could do with my two hands. I wanted to do something. I wanted to see what was possible. With each person we spoke to, we found more courage to pursue our podcast project. We also found more conviction that these stories needed to be heard. So each week on Rock the Boat, we'll take you into the minds of an entrepreneur, technologist, creative, or artist we've met on our podcasting journey. We ask them how they view success, what they struggle with, and what it really means to rock the boat. To me, what it means to rock the boat is to do the right thing and put yourself on the line, even if it doesn't seem like the right thing to do to everyone else. What if I fail? Who the hell cares? Fail a few times. 
I would rather try and fail and evolve than never try at all. Like it just, to me, it, it's the most basic of how anything should be run. Sometimes it's not what you think is success, but what your parents think is success. Because as long as your parents are happy, you're happy in some ways. So like, I really definitely have that kind of mindset, which is like, I do want my parents to be happy. Two things changed my life when I was 18. The first was I got into college, I got into Penn. And then, really, really tragically, before the end of my senior year, one of my best friends took her own life. Along the way, Lynn and I will share some stories from our own personal journeys. Our hope is that these stories can bring people together, help build a community around the issues we need to talk about as Asian Americans, and open a dialogue for how we can each live with more conviction, make waves, and rock the boat. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Rock the Boat. Throughout this episode, you heard clips from our special guests, Bob Wu, Ronnie Mazumdar, Charlotte Cho, Chris Chung, Justin Ching, Ivy Tang Lei, Mr. and Mrs. Liu, and my dad, Mr. Guay. Next time, we take you on a journey with Chris Chung of Box.com. His story on how he went from subverting the system to co-founding one of the biggest e-commerce startups in New York City is fascinating. Here's Chris. You know, me cheating, lying, stealing, bullshitting didn't necessarily amount to like a 4.0 at all. I think it was a vestige of me kind of like being lazy as a kid or having other interests outside of academia. Like I wanted to, you know, whatever, play video games or, or read comic books. So anything to kind of increase my available time there and, you know, shirk away from my uh, responsibilities. This episode of Rock the Boat was written and produced by us, Lucia Liu, and Lin Guay. Sound editing is by me and Molly Schulson. In addition to being the sound genius on our podcast, Molly also creates personalized audio stories for people with her company, Tell My Story. You can check out her website in our show notes. If you have suggestions for topics about the Asian American community or a personal story that you'd like to share, email us at hello at gorocktheboat.com. Please subscribe and share this episode with anyone who you think could benefit from it. And leave us a few kind words on iTunes. Those positive reviews help a ton. See you next time. I wish we had that on tape. (laughs) (laughs) I got that on tape. Oh my god. That's a wrap. Thanks again to our guests for coming on the show and taking time out of the schedule to share their story and their wisdom. And thanks to you for listening. The show wouldn't be here without your support. Uh, you can subscribe and look at the show notes for the show, including the contact information for our guests at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or upenpodcast.podbean.com. Thanks again to Fortissimo for our, for our intro and outro music. You can follow him on SoundCloud and Facebook. Editing and production was provided by Ninsboy Media. Special thanks to the Pan-Asian American Community House and Alumni Relations. A quick reminder, the views and, the, and opinions expressed on this show are those of those appearing on the podcast alone and do not reflect those of the University of Pennsylvania. If you have any questions or feedback, please follow up with us at upanpodcast at gmail.com or other Facebook page. 
Till next time, this is your host, Paul Bautista, signing off. Remember, keep it funky, folks. Bye.